Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy The Call. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ausbiz. Nice to have your company for the next hour or so. This is a program called The Call. Uh, we analyze 10 stocks that viewers have sent in and we put them to our expert panel, plus a bonus stock of the day, a stock that's in the news that has caught our attention. Um, our expert panel today, uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Henry, how are you, sir? You're well? I'm very well, thanks. You're you. having a good week? I am, yes. It's oh. Wednesday, so the hump day, I guess. Yes, exactly. So, yes. It's all downhill till the weekend. It is all here, down. My, that's the story Fantastic. of my life, all yeah. downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Whelan, too, from uh, Toowoomba, DP Wealth Advisory. Andrew, how are you, sir? How's your week been going? Yeah, not too bad, Koshi. Thank you. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to the next hour with my sparring partner <laughs> slash friend, Henry. Should be, uh, should be great fun. Because where, where did you guys first meet? Was it Macquarie? Look, it was a it was a dark evening one night. Uh, <laughs> some, some At the Empire Theatre, was all misunderstanding. I'm sure. Uh, um, well, actually, I think it was probably back in our um, Sky Biz days, Henry. It was uh, probably oh, about was. eight odd years ago. So oh, it, was yeah, a, it was either a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It was the dream team of Henry and Adam Dawes. Right. And uh, I was able to sort of uh, inveigle my way in there for ten minutes. <laughs> and, the third, the third and, and yeah, and the rest, as they say, is history. Oh, that's terrific. All right. Well, a bit of history between these two. It's always a lot of fun as they go through each of the stocks. Uh, stock of the day, one that I choose. Uh, a big week for, for the big banks. Got smashed during COVID. I know they're a darling of a lot of retail investors, particularly those looking for income. So I thought we'd take a look at the ANZ, the second of the big four with their interim updates this week. Reporting first half cash profit more than doubling to just shy of $3 billion as the lender released funds set aside to cover potential loan losses from the pandemic. On the numbers, uh, higher on a year ago, but a miss on the $3.19 billion market estimate. Looking ahead, uh, ANZ's boss Shane Elliott saying there is still significant uncertainty. You only need to look at how the pandemic is playing out overseas as well as recent lockdowns to realise how quickly the situation can escalate. Uh, shareholders set to get interim dividends, 70 cents a share, topping estimates and up from the 25 cents last year. Andrew Willett, not a bad result, but shares well, well down after the announcement, even though a good hike in, in dividend. What did you think of it? 
uh, the result and what do you think of ANZ stock price at the moment? Yeah, well, Koshi, as you know, it's buy the rumour, sell the facts. So, um, you know, the uh, the result wasn't perhaps as, wasn't the number that the market was looking for, but compared to 12 months ago, as you were just mentioning, that dividend 12 months ago, it was a token 25 cents. But for the uh, the retail investor, they're starting to see those dividends come back online. Uh, pleasing to see that uh, they're growing their home loan book pleasing to see that that net interest margin, that NIM, is going up a little bit, albeit just a smidge. Uh, provisions are starting to come back down for bad debts. No great surprise there. But as uh, Shane Elliott, my doppelganger, if you go back and do a side-by-side, you'll see that he's an equally good-looking guy. Um, you'll see that uh, basically uh, he's talking about how quickly, as you know, he referenced India as an example and the terrible things that are happening over there. Um, hopefully we don't go through that type of thing here, but we're certainly not out of the woods, but great result in, in considering everything going on. A uh, little surprising to see that share price under pressure, but uh, overall, pretty good result. Okay. Would you, uh, is it one of your favourite banks? Would you be buying it at this $26 level? Are you into the big four banks? Koshi, as you know, it's not uh, the call if I don't reference an ETF. And uh, I'd be sort of buying MVB, which, if you remember, basically buys that basket plus Macquarie plus Bendigo plus BOQ. And that takes all the guesswork out of as to who's the better bank. But certainly, um, you know, things seem to have settled down for the banks. Uh, My preference would be MVB. But uh, if you bought ANZ on its own, you're certainly not going to go broke in doing it. Okay. What do you reckon, Manor? Um, well, a little disappointing, I guess, on the top line figure for some analysts. I, I guess the thing about the Westpac result was the was the eight billion in the four years of cost cutting, and we didn't yeah. really get to see that with ANZ. They're probably a little yeah. bit more conservative, right. and they did talk about cost cutting twenty one percent over the next, uh, I think, three or four years. So that that's good, um, but they were a little bit more conservative with the right backs of some of those provisions. They still have a dirty, great big hollow log full of money. Right. waiting to come out if the bad times hit. And Shane Elliott is, I guess he was the, the, the most conservative of the banking chiefs. First cab off the rank last year with that cut to dividend yep. and everybody else kind of fell into step behind him. So I think it was a more conservative result than uh, than Westpac. And they weren't really sort of fist pumping in the air, which I think Westpac was a bit more fist pumping. Right. Um, it, it's a pretty solid result. Good dividend, 70 cents. No reason not to own this. Um, as opposed to the ETFs where uh, Andrew tends to go, I tend to say, well, buy the bank that you bank with, because right. at least that way you get your own back on the charges you're paying. <laughs> right, at least yep. you feel like the, the profit that you're giving them, 70 to 80% of that profit is coming back to you in a dividend. Right. Okay. So it kind of yeah. negates some of that. Do you like so, the big four banks though? Yeah. I mean, you, Ad, you, Ad Macquarie. And- you can't, yeah, I mean, Macquarie's the standout, but you can't yeah. not like them in an economy that's doing what it's doing, housing that's doing what it's doing, the big right. rebound trade that's happening in the economy. Even yesterday with Phil Lowe talking about yeah. you know, the updates to GDP. And, and, you know, th- these are big nuts. You wonder how he can keep a straight face, to be honest. You yeah. know, yeah. Interest rates at 0.1%. Yeah. And you know we're looking at <laughs> sub 5% unemployment and 4.5% GDP growth. Come on, Phil. I mean, at some stage, yeah. you know, you're going to have to crack because there's going to be a smile there somewhere. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, I do like the big four. I think they're going to continue to push ahead. And I think Macquarie, obviously, we've got the results on Friday. That yeah. should be good. They tend to under, well, they tend to overperform, having yeah. under, you know, under, 
Under promise. Yeah, under promise and over deliver. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was going yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> uh, was groping for. Um, so yeah, I think Macquarie's going to be good. Uh, NABs, probably NABs is the sort of the catch up play. Right. Um, Westpac is, Westpac's always been a maverick bank. You know, they're the guys that stand out there and take on ASIC. And even today, they've yes. been hit with an insider, insider trading, trading. Yeah. that goes back to 2016, I think it is. Yeah. I yeah. mean, cool, these guys at ASIC are moving quick, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it's five years ago. The world yeah. has changed. Yeah. Uh, I know wrongdoing is wrongdoing, but still, that's, that's a bit previous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the bank's great. Okay, so you'd have ANZ as a buy. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. I think there's, you know, there's somewhat disappointing, sort of with the uh, the result will wash through in time, and then okay. they will just continue to follow the other form. Uh, let's get into uh, the stocks that you've suggested, and Thomas uh, Henry wants a view on Champion Ire. Thomas poses the question: Could this be another Fortescue? Um, Champion Iron, of course, um, iron ore developer, exploration company. Mainly in Canada, yes. It? Its operations. Uh, could it be another Fortescue? There's only one Fortescue. Yep. Um, this this is a whole different ball game in terms of production profile, in terms of cost base as well. Yep. You know, when you got Fortescue at twelve, thirteen bucks a ton, these guys at fifty three, they've yep. got a much more high quality product, and this will continue to follow the iron ore price. And if you think the iron ore price is going to keep going, uh, then I think this one is going to still remain pretty solid. I'm not sure I'll be piling in up here. I'm not right. sure I can call it a, a buy. Yep. Um, only because the iron ore price has just run so hard. It really, so hard. You know, well, close to 200. 190 um, bucks. And in Australian dollar, term, you know, the last time we saw iron ore at these kind of prices, the Aussie dollar was parity. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Dollar, dollar ten. Yeah. And here we are at 77 cents and we've got iron ore at $190 yeah. a ton. Because the world's biggest iron ore mine uh, in Brazil, isn't it? Vale. It's it's not back in full production no. yet because of COVID. That's no. one of the the big reasons. It's one of the it? big drivers. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's they've certainly had product. Even when they thought they were going to push the production out, it doesn't appear to have materialised. So yeah. that they've they've overpromised and underdelivered yeah. with that Vale thing. So you know, I think Champion is a is a good way to play the iron ore price yeah. uh, if you don't want to go to Fortescue. Right. But the attraction of Fortescue is that they've got rid of most of the debt. Yeah. They pay a massive dividend. They've got great projects, great focused discipline management. Yeah. And it's just chucking out cash like there's no yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, so not to say that this isn't, but yeah. whether it's to, to be another Fortescue, you're going to have to drive that cost base down the yeah. way Fortescue did okay. um, and then start to become that cash yeah. cow and that dividend payer. Okay. Um, Andrew, of course, um, um, Josh Frydenberg will deliver a uh, federal budget next week uh, with a deficit well under expectations, all largely because of the iron ore price, <laughs> which yeah, he, he, he budgeted at $55 a ton for the entire year. <laughs> yeah, $36 billion, I think, yes. is what they're projecting is going to be extra in his back pocket uh, by virtue of that iron ore price. So. Uh, Henry is uh, is bang on. Um, Fortescue, I was just having a quick sneaky look before. It's still about an 8% dividend trading at six times earnings. Wow. Six wow. times earnings. Wow. Um, you know, CIA, love the code, uh, is seven times earnings. So it's certainly not too far off. But as Henry quite rightly points out, the dividend on CAI is the big fat nada, right. zero. So that's, you know, your key difference. 
cost of production for them for CIA is only fifty four dollars a ton. So with the price, where is it one seventy one eighty? Yeah. Uh, they're just making a squillion dollars. Uh, cash, that's a technical finance term. Um, basically, cash is just building big time. They seem to be building up about 100, 150 million in cash every quarter. So they're now sitting on nearly 700 million in cash. And they're producing about that 8 million tonnes a year. Recently added to the ASX S&P 200 as well. So you've got some momentum there from the, the uh, index tracking funds. And the other thing, of course, is the uh, chair is the former MD of uh, Glencore in Australia. And uh, prior to that, his most recent gig was uh, Riverdale Resources before they were bought out by Hancock. So in other words, the people who are running it are switched on. Uh, there's plenty of money there. The pricing is undemanding, but really it's just a proxy for playing the iron ore price. But are right. there other ways to do it, like Fortescue, slightly lesser multiple and a dividend yield? Yeah, that, that lesser mo- multiple, is that low because the market's building in um, the fact the iron ore price has to come down? Oh, mate, partly that. I think it's just the fact that the iron ore price has just stayed as elevated for as long as it has. I think everybody would have predicted it would have come back by now. Um, But it just keeps on keeping on. So um, it's it's a buy, but there are better buys, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Uh, Andrew Alvin wants a view on magnetite mines. We're sort of staying in the sector at the moment, aren't we? Slightly different market cap size. Yep. Um, 167 million compared to 3.5 billion koshi. Yep. And they're they're not Uh, actually producing at the moment, are they? They're exploring. Correct. But they actually have a resource, uh, Razorback, I think it is. Yeah, Razorback, 3.9 billion tonnes of iron ore. And it's not not a bad grade either. So certainly from that point of view, you're immediately going, beauty, you know, why aren't we on this one? Um, the, the issue is, of course, is that they're now basically saying, well, how do we sort of get the resource to a port? And they're doing all sorts of scoping studies. And is it rail or is it road? And which port do we use? And, you know, there's lots of moving parts on it. Uh, not many brokers are following it. In fact, I couldn't find anyone who's following it. So, you know, and the share price there reflects it, Koshi, isn't it? Where is it? Around six cents. Yep. Sorry, I was just having a senior's moment looking closely yep. there. Six cents. Uh, relative to uh, Champion, which is sort of running at that six, seven dollar mark. So, dare I say it, this is much more of a punt, and there's lots more water to pass under the bridge relating to that pre-feasibility study. Uh, and of course, will the iron ore price hold up whilst all this is going on? Because you don't just, uh, flick a switch and we something at a rail yeah. line and all that sort of thing. So, certainly out of the two, you choose Champion. Nothing wrong with this, but this is a lot further back. Right. Okay. Uh, we had the chief executive of Magnetite on Ausbiz this morning, so you can catch up. Just go to the website or the app, and it's all there for you. Uh, Henry, what do you think of Magnetite? Um, it's a punt. It yeah. is a punt. There's no question about it. It's at PFS stage, so as Andrew says, it's a long way to go. There's a yeah. lot of infrastructure, and there's a lot of money that needs to be committed to this. So when, when you do that feasibility stage, yeah. to actually... What, what's your sort of experience? Well, that, that, what, five a... years until you get up and going? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it could right, be. I mean, right. there's pre-feasibility. Yeah. There's, then there's definitive feasibility. And then you usually get to bankable feasibility. So yeah. there's, there's three fees, uh, and, uh, lots of fees but, in yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> there's three feasibility studies in there because you've got to take something to the bank and say, hey, yep. we're going to need however many million to, to, to actually do this project. So we need something that, to bank uh, yeah. 
for you guys to bank on. So it's still a long way to go. I mean, it's a punter special, 2.8 billion shares on issue. So there's a lot of wow, there's a lot of shares, shares out there. So that yeah. kind of gives you an idea that over the years they've issued lots of shares and raised lots of money, and they were languishing at you know half a cent right. for a long time, and then suddenly the iron ore price picks up, and everyone looks around for the iron ore play that no one else has discovered, and they go, oh, right. magnetite. Um, right. I'm not taking anything away from the MD or you know yeah. from from his interview, but you know it's run pretty hard yeah. on the, the, the basically the iron ore price. Um, but there are these milestones, so that if they can get the P the PFS sorted and that looks pretty good, then it could kick again. So it's speculative punt, basically. Right. Um, but you've got to believe the iron ore price. It's going to take five years before they get in production, if they ever get into production, because you know some of these things. I remember the last time we had the iron ore price at these kind of levels uh, back in the early two thousands. You know, every man and his dog was trying to come up with a stranded iron ore project that they were going to connect railways too and all this sort of stuff and none of them have ever come to fruition and here we are yeah. 2021 15 15 years later and you know they're still struggling yeah okay all right um thank you for that suggestion alvin good to see you watching and uh, an interesting stock um henry alex what's a view on reliance worldwide the big plumbing suppliers group over the last couple of days has uh, said that it's on the hunt for a bolt-on acquisition in both the united states and the united kingdom um, their chief executive, Heath Sharp, are pretty, pretty bullish for the next three years or so. Well, why wouldn't you be? Yep. I, mean, I mean, given the economic backdrop that we're seeing with you know, housing, renovations, building, etc. Um, you know, not only just in Australia, around the world. Not only like. just, well, these guys are very big overseas yes. as well. Um, from memory, they've got a big U UK operation and a big yep. US, US. operation. Yep. Operations. So, um, yeah, I mean, this one looks good. And, you know, it depends on the acquisition. And it depends, obviously, on how much they pay for it and how they're going to fund it. But certainly this has got great economic gearing, um, great leverage to the economic cycle, and um, you've got to just ride it at the moment. Right. No reason to uh, to be disappointed with this okay. one. It's had a big run in share price. Would you be buying it at these levels? Market's had a big run. Yeah. Everything's had a big run. <laughs> That's the trouble. It's very, you know, you, Are you, you worried about that? I, I don't know about worried, um, because nothing, you know, even when Yellen speaks out of turn and forgets what job she has last night, okay. um, you know, th th there's, the market has a limited reaction, so I don't think worried is the right word. Right. I think I think aware of it, um, but you know, as you climb a ladder, you're always aware of how high you are off the ground. Right. You don't don't start thinking about oh, I'm going to fall and kill myself. Right. Um, you know, you still keep climbing the ladder. So uh, I think there's no reason to be worried yet. Okay. What you know, interest rates are at record lows. Yeah. Economies are booming. Corporate results are coming through really, really healthily. And we've seen this week with the conference that Macquarie's got going, every day there's another kind of winner out of this that's, you know, CSL had a massive yeah. pop today on the Absolutely back of their relaxed. presentation. Yeah. yeah, huge pop. So, you know, it's clearly there's, there's good stuff happening out there in corporate land. So why would you be, you know, we're going to see all-time highs in this market without question, right. um, maybe even this week. Okay. Uh, you know, we're 40-odd points away. So yeah. that, that's, that's yeah. tomorrow. So Reliance? Uh, yes, bye. Bye. Andrew? Reliance Worldwide? Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a buy as well. And, you know, for all the reasons Henry just uh, accurately portrayed, if I can use that term, um, if you're not making money in this environment and you're in the building game, then you probably need to have a bit of a, a, bit of a look at yourself. Um, it hasn't always been happy days for Reliance Worldwide. Of course, uh, we had, you know, some of that... Um, 
not insiders selling, but we had some of the founders selling just before the share price fell away, and that wasn't super helpful. But post-pandemic and all that government spending, uh, the money, the government stimulus money and the renovations, and it's not just here in Australia where we've seen that, also in the US as well. Um, you may recall, Koshi, we covered Reese recently, and we said Reese yep. was a goodie. Um, but this company, Reliance, has a three times better margin than Reese. Oh, wow. So margins about 12, 13% relative to Reese, which is around 3 to 4%. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't mind this one at all. Certainly trading near consensus valuation, so it's not cheap, but it's obviously not cheap for a reason. It's in the right space at the right time, so it's a buy. Okay. Um, okay, you're saying um, if you're not making money in the, if you've got anything to do with the building area, uh, Barry wants a view, Andrew, on CSR. Koshi, I couldn't have set you up any better. I could not have set you up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? The big building oh, materials group. Thank you very much. Yeah, look, uh, don't mind CSR. Um, certainly not a not a bad business. I do prefer, though, James Hardy. Right. Again, if we have a look at Hardy's numbers. So CSR's got uh, a return on equity of around 11% and a 6% margin, so certainly nothing to sneeze at, whereas James Hardy, their margin is 33%, sorry, mm. their 33% return on equity and a 13% margin. So in other words, triple the return on equity, oh. double the margin. So um, certainly Hardy's is probably a stronger business, but for all the reasons that we were just talking about relative to what's going on with uh, uh, building and so forth, um, home builder, I think, has been turned off or did they extend it? But certainly there was a, a lot of stimulus that was supporting that side of the, the market. It's trading above consensus. PE, though, isn't super demanding at 18 times relative to forecast earnings growth of about 20%. Koshi, you know me, I like to look at my inside trades. CEO owns $7,000 worth of shares, but it's paid a million bucks. Like, what? seriously? Wow. Seriously? Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, not great conviction, is it? Oh, look, early days and there might be reasons that they sold out or haven't got accumulated position or, you know, whatever the case may be. But uh, again, you reference at the the top of the show, um, Henry's and my working for Macquarie. One of the great things I liked about working at Macquarie is that all the staff were shareholders. um, And that you really were incentivised or punished relative to how you performed as a team. So that's one of the things I'm sort of very mindful of. So CSR is a hold, Hardy is the better buy. Okay. Uh, Can I throw Boral in there? Are you convinced on Boral yet or have they got a long way to go? Oh, Boral has recovered, but they've really got to sort of sort out that US business from memory. It's on the block, isn't it, Henry? It is. Um, I, I think they're I don't still. Think actually... Yeah, the new yeah. shareholders are sort of what the whole thing broke it up, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. Uh, mates yeah. at uh, Seven Group Holdings. Uh, that's a yes. reason why they accumulated their position. Um, Henry, what do you think of CSR? Um, I agree with Andrew. It's probably, it's had a pretty good dash, yeah. I have to say. I mean, James Hardy is good, but I still struggle to get my head around the whole asbestos thing. I know that, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's past history, but still, yeah, yeah, um, they were a bit too slippery yeah. for my liking in the past. Big Midnight it's Oil fans. Big Midnight Oil fans, so Blue yep. Sky Mining, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's not good. Um, so I guess on that, ethically, I prefer CSR right. and Borrell, but Borrell has got that question mark what they're going to do right. with the US business, which has been under that strategic review for some time. And you're right, Seven is in there now. I mean, Seven's in with Beach Petroleum as well. Yeah. So. You know, they're quite uh, active these days. 
Um, I like CSR. I think here it's a hold, right? Just because it's had such a great big run. Yeah. Um, although it does have leverage to the to the building cycle, the same as we have with Reliance. Um, I don't think it's got quite the same geographical spread that Reliance has. Um, so I'm, for me, it's just a hold, hold at the moment. Okay. All right. Um, our next uh, stock comes from Adam uh, Henry. Would you? No ETF. Would you like? Not even. Not even. No. This, I'm going to just bat this straight okay. over to. I'll comment right. after he's uh, filled in the yes. blanks. Um, Andrew, the Vanguard Global Infrastructure Index ETF. We've been talking about governments putting massive stimulus into infrastructure to get economies going, not only here but around the world. I've read a um, report saying Joe Biden's first hundred days has been the biggest spending hundred days of any president in American history. Um, Six trillion dollars worth of um, economic stimulus and promises coming in the first hundred days. Promises. Yeah, yeah. Promises. No, no, no. Do, There's still do four billion of tr- promises right. in the wind. Okay. That, that, that's the infrastructure Huge. stimulus and the yeah. America families is still sort of out there. Okay. Huge. Um, Andrew, what do you think of this ETF, the Vanguard one? So I should start off by saying that an infrastructure ETF, generally speaking, forms part of our core portfolio. So you definitely want to have exposure to it, subject to your attitude to risk. It could be anywhere between between three and six percent. Right. And the reason yeah. being that generally, not always, when you're in the middle of a pandemic and airports and toll roads are closed, but generally the returns from infrastructure assets are reasonably predictable. So from that point of view, certainly happy to have some infrastructure in there. Uh, VBLD is the one that we're talking about. There's a couple of others that are in the mix as well. Um, the biggest one is Mitch, which is the Magellan one, M-I-C-H. And you've also got IFRA, I-F-R-A, which is the VanEck product as well. Uh, look, don't mind the Vanguard one. It's MER, it's management expense ratio, which is one of the things we need to have a look at. It's about 0.47%. Competitors are around that sort of money, so it's not too expensive. Um, the, if you look at the asset mix within this particular ETF, it's about one third electricity, uh, about 23% rail, rail roads, and then about 12% pipeline. So again, it's those defensive assets we were talking about before. The big difference between this one and IFRA is that this one is about 80% focused on North America. So North America being both the US and also Canada. Yeah. Whereas IFRA, which follows a similar index, uh, has more European exposure, so more exposure to France, more exposure to Spain, etc. And if you're a believer that Europe is actually going to get its act together, which I know is a whole other conversation in itself, um, certainly post-pandemic in particular, then potentially a tilt towards Europe might be a more aggressive way of playing it, whereas this, you know, the North America is now firing along now. Uh, overall, I prefer IFRA because the right. other measure you might remember, Koshi, is we look at that sharp ratio. So that's it's yeah. a measure of how much additional return you're taking for how much risk you're being asked to bear. The sharp ratio on IFRA is about 0.47, whereas with this BLD, it's 0.16. One is the holy grail. So if you're getting a number above one, then you're off to the races. Anything under one, it's okay. But yeah, 0.16 versus 0.47 plus that European bent, you had me at IFRA. Okay, all right, that's instead of this one. All right, so I know for this, nothing wrong with this one. Nothing wrong with this one. Nothing wrong with this one. But if it's the preferred choice, are you saying it's a hold or 
Oh, it's a hole. No. Like if you've got oh, it, if, okay. if it's a hole, but I'm just yep. saying, if you're saying, right, Andrew's right, I need some infrastructure exposure if it was the way to go. All right. Henry. I, I think Andrew's <laughs> said it all, to be honest, as the, as the guru. He's, he's the guru. He is the, he, he is the, he is Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> as we had Star Wars Day yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. he is Yoda. He's in a forest somewhere and he's pouring over the ears. Yeah. Yeah. May the fourth be with you. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with this one at all. It's, it's definitely a hold. And yeah. we, we know the infrastructure story. We know that governments are spending big time, as you say. I mean, Joe Biden is spending... Yep. money like there's no tomorrow yep. um, whether he actually gets it approved or not remains to be seen because i seem to remember donald trump had the same idea to put mm. two trillion dollars or whatever it was into u.s infrastructure and that never happened right. um so we'll wait and see how how this goes but um you know certainly on that basis if you're only looking at this one it's definitely a hold as andrew probably rightly points out there are others and there are probably others that are better and that ifra one does sound okay. better than this one but right. Have one. Yeah, yeah. Whichever one tickles sector. your fancy. Yep. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day was ANZ. Uh, a yes from Henry. Um, Andrew prefers the uh, ETF. What is it? MVB um, is a stock code for it, um, which is a basket of, uh, um, of our major banks, including Macquarie. Uh, Champion Iron, um, a, uh, a yes from Andrew, but there are better iron ore miners to go to. He still likes uh, Fortescue as well. A no from Henry. Magnetite mining, a no from both. Reliance Worldwide, uh, a yes from both. Uh, CSR, a hold from both Andrew and Henry. Um, uh, Andrew prefers James Hardy in this space and the Vanguard Global Infrastructure ETF, uh, a hold from both. But if you're uh, going to look at one infrastructure ETF, the preference from Andrew is IFRA, with its um, uh, bent towards the uh, European infrastructure projects. Um, here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio uh, since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. And uh, any of the stocks that come up before our expert panel and get two yeses, so a unanimous buy goes into the portfolio as Reliance Worldwide has done. Um, if it comes up again, even if it's in front of a different panel and doesn't get the unanimous approval, it goes out. So uh, all the stocks, uh, if we take a look at how it's been going the last week, uh, the portfolio down half a percent, the month up three and three quarter. Year to date, 29 and a half percent. Some of the stocks recently added. Uh, McMahon got uh, two thumbs up yesterday. That's in that um, um, uh, mining services area. Um, other stocks recently added Beach Energy, Seven Group, Home Consortium, Dexas, and Whisper. Some of the stocks taken out Harvey Norman, Ancourt, Newix, and Shryro. Want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio? Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Um, and fresh from the Macquarie Conference that we've just been talking about, uh, we'll be speaking with AFG's Chief Executive, David Bailey. Um, housing is hot and so is refinancing. And he's going to give us the latest update from the cold face. That's just after 1 p.m., just after uh, after the call here. So don't miss that. And if you uh, miss the interview, of course, you can always catch up on the platform. All right, let's uh, go to our second uh, five stocks for this edition of the call. And uh, Henry um, Credit Corp Group, Charles wants a view on the um, basically the, the loan funding 
yeah. uh, factoring business, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, these, these guys buy debt ledgers off people that, um, you know, like big banks or whatever. Off the big banks. And then they chase the people for the, for the money and work out plans, etc. Um, it's been a little disappointing, I have to say. They've reaffirmed guidance, not only in terms of the, um, the, the profit, but also in terms of the dividend, which is good. But the stock has been under a bit of pressure. And I guess the problem for them is, is maybe the economy is going a little bit too well. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that big cliff that we were supposed to yep. hit in, when was it, September? Then it got pushed out to March when Job Seeker, Keeper and all that sort of stuff finished or wound down. Um, hasn't really materialized. Um, and as a result, I guess that there's not enough people that have those debt ledgers that they're, they're selling on at the moment. They've, they've got a big push in the US as well. But again, yeah. they're probably up against the same problem. So for me at the moment, I, I wouldn't be, I mean, it's a great company. They do what they do really, really well. Yeah. Um, and it's the leader in the field. And they did really well from collection house, kind of shooting themselves in the foot and buying part of their business, which was really good. But at the end of the day, you need a bit of distress out there. And yeah. at the moment, with record low interest rates and money being thrown around like the proverbial drunken sailor, it's not an easy business, I guess, for a debt collector business yeah. to, to be in necessarily. So to explain it a bit for those who don't know, banks, of course, give all these loans out. And then any that might look a bit subpar, yeah. they sell off to yeah. uh, a credit corp for... Uh, 95 cents in the dollar yep. and credit call, get the money back 100% and keep the 5%. For example, now, That's the, the, the dodgier the economy, the banks sell it cheaper might be for 80 cents in the dollar. Yep. And so credit court can get a big margin, but now the economy is improving that much. Comes well, back a bit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's, I mean, they're also, I guess, they're historical debts as well because the banks don't oh, immediately yes. sell their debts off. Yeah, yeah, the immediate so, ones. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's a bit of a time lag before they go, oh, okay, yeah. these aren't going to actually perform. We need mm. to, to get rid of them and find a way out of them. So um, it just, it seems to be that, you know, with the economy going so well, it's hard to get enthused about a debt collector. Yeah. Um, and there are some ones nipping on their heels. There's one called Credit Clear which right. I've been looking at, which is a really small minnow one, which yep. um, looks at it in a different way. And they, instead of buying the debt and then trying to collect it, they manage the debt on behalf of the company right. and take a cut and use SMSs and texts and that yeah, sort of stuff. A bit of technology, a bit yeah. of platform to actually um, pick up that debt rather yeah. than laying out, you know, 100 million bucks for $200 million worth of debt and hoping they can get 150 back, yep. um, which is what Credit Corp do. Okay. Um, Andrew, what do you think of Credit Corp? Yeah, look, Henry's said it all. I mean, if you want a, a telling number, um, Credit Corp's the sixth largest debt, debt ledger buyer in the US, so it's pretty big, which isn't too bad for an Australian company. Uh, but if you look in the US, there's been, as we just spoke about, a trillion dollars worth of stimulus thrown at the US consumer, but there was only, only $350 billion worth of uh, lost wages, if that makes sense. Hmm. So in other words, there's $650 billion worth of surplus monies sloshing around the system. Um, so as a consequence, not the best time to be uh, buying debt ledgers because everyone's just pocketing or trousering that money and uh, there's not a lot of debt going on. However, as the US economy starts to pick up, 
then you might see an increase in credit. And we'll talk about increasing credit a little bit later on with another company. And so it might be their time in the sun in the future, but timing-wise at the moment, probably not. Treating well under a consensus. Consensus is about 31 bucks. But, uh, yeah, I just think the timing is wrong. Good business, wrong timing. It's a okay. hold. All right. Thank you, Charles, for that suggestion. Um, now, Gary, Andrew, wants a view on Bard One Life Sciences. Uh, Gary says, I've got a small speculative holding of Bard One, only buying more recently. The diagnostic technology looks to be promising, may change how we screen for cancers, especially ovarian and pancre- pancreatic cancer, which typically present late and have poor outcomes. My main question is whether all the potential good news has already been accounted for in the current share price. Well, last couple of days, share price was up 9-10%, wasn't it? Because they just signed a, a good deal with the University of Liverpool for their for their blood test technology. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Koshin. You know, we talk about good news, but we also need to take our minds back to, I think it is January, mm-hmm. well, sorry, it might be February actually, where you've actually got the founders of the company taking legal action against the company. And that's never a good look, never a good look, because um, never mind the substance of the argument, whether it's right or wrong, as management, the new management, you are now spending time batting and bowling that away when you're not actually focusing that style of business. So that, to me, is a big amber flashing light. Another amber flashing light is, and it, look, it's, uns- it's not unsurprising, it's not unique to any of these small biotechs, Koshi, but they've got six million in the bank, good on them, but yeah. they burnt through 1.4 million of that over the last 90 days, of mm-hmm. which, to be fair, 800,000 of it was R&D, so they're not frittering it away, but their runway is basically a year. So... Yeah, I I would just sort of be a little bit cautious there that there's lots to like. Uh, That strong R&D spending, that HTRT product, um, you know, it's going pretty well. Um, But when management is being distracted and even in the normal course of business, you are burning through cash, there's plenty of things to keep management awake at night. So this is a whole. That's a weird looking chart too. I'm not sure whether there's a glitch in that chart. No, there's not. Isn't it? It's no. been one cent. Yeah, it was. It was. It was going nowhere years. for a long time, and then February came up with the test results yeah. for the breast and ovarian cancer diagnostic test, yeah. and it just went right vertical. Wow! It was like a hawker harrier. Yeah. For those so, of you who are old enough to remember yeah, yeah. hawker <laughs> harrier, <laughs> vertical um, takeoff and landing. Yeah, yeah. Man, so they were great. So this is sort of your wheelhouse, is it? Um, it you is a bit. Stocks like this. I do. I do, and it's, it's, it's always kind of. Cancer detection stocks and cancer prevention stocks and cancer treatment stocks always tug at people's <clears throat> heartstrings as well. Yep. So there is that, you know, we all know. Because you really want them to succeed. You want them you? to succeed. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a lot out there. Right. Let's face it. It's, it's a massive, unfortunately, tragically, it's a massive market. Um, you know, we all know someone that's been touched by yes. it, if not ourselves. It is a massive market. So we all want them to succeed. Yep. And this plays into that. And certainly they're their diagnostic tests look very, very promising. But as Andrew says, fighting amongst yourselves is never a good look. It is no. distracting. Burning through some cash is a little bit of a concern because but it's... see, raising cash around 250 Yeah. Pretty good price to be raising cash. Yeah. No, they don't do badly out of it. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, these, these guys 
do uh, tap the market. You look at something like Mesoblast, which has been around yes. for donkey's years, yeah. and they tap the market. They almost tap it every week. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's I'm not saying bad life sciences are going to, but just have to be aware that yep. they're going to need more money okay. um, at some stage. So for me at the moment, it's probably just, you know what? Just let things settle, let the dust settle. Let's get right. the legal proceedings sorted. Uh, let's get a little bit more cash in the tin. Let's get some more test results. It had such a meteoric rise yeah. uh, from you know 60 cents to- if you, if, you, if you ran it up, would you be lightning here? Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I, I always like to take profits along the way because yeah. stocks, especially these kind of stocks, they're herd stocks. Yeah. And they're the ones that get the rocket emojis on the on the Facebook groups, etc. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they all have their moment in the sun. Mm -hmm. And then the herd moves on to lithium, or it moves on to graphite, right. or it yeah. moves and whatever it is. There's only the, the buckets, you know, slops to the other the next target. So and then when it does, they all go quiet for for a long time, and people get bored and they sell them down. Yeah. Or an Insta wants to get out. There's no news. Yeah. Uh, so they dribble away and, and you know we see this time and time again yeah. with stocks that go dunk and then they gradually yeah. you know and then they'll pick again so All for right. me this is Take probably certainly I wouldn't be plowing in here if you've got them and you believe and you you know you want to do the right thing and you know be in a cancer stock this is not a bad one to be in but you might see further downside you might sure. need to uh, do a bit of dollar cost averaging along okay. the way All right uh, thank you for that Gary um now, Henry Andreas wants a view on Star Pharma. Um, they, uh, their business is sort of medication through nasal sprays, if you want a, a common denominator, is that? But have gone up 10% in the last day or two uh, because of the Viralese product, the uh, antiviral nasal uh, spray, that um, seem to be getting good results in the lab. Uh, they do. Uh, Star Pharma is an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> But they for a long time they've been concentrated on one product, which is Viva Gel, yep. um, which is a, a feminine hygiene yep. product, and they've done very well out of that. You know, yep. sales are, are pretty good, and now they've moved on to this new one. And COVID has been kind of a blessing for them to some extent because of nasal sprays and, and a delivery yep. methodology they've been working on. So I kind of like Star Pharma. Um, I held it in the small cap portfolio for a while. And it kind of spiked up on the back of when COVID first came to yeah. uh, to hit us, and then it just fell away um, gradually. It's, again, it's like we we're talking about with Bard. You know, they have, they have these big spikes, and then interest yeah. wanes, and then suddenly they have another announcement, and off yeah. they go again. And this is you know, typical. it's all story driven. It is, is all that? story driven. But yeah. I kind of like Star Pharma. Um, yeah. They do seem to be heading in the right direction. I have to say, doing some good deals uh, with some big farmers. Um, Viva Gel is obviously the, the backbone of their offering, yep. but uh, this Viralese does look promising. So, I, you know, these kind of levels, you've got to accept some volatility though, because mm. it is story driven, yep. um, announcement driven, but I, I'd be a buyer here. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, I'd agree. I know it's not very exciting. You want a bit of controversy, but um, you look at the management, uh, Jackie, uh, can't remember the uh, CEO surname. Fairly. Thank you for those playing yeah. at home. Fairly. Uh, Ex-Pfizer and CSL. So certainly you've got some mm. pedigree there. And similarly, the chair has been in uh, has been in equity markets for decades and has been sort of involved with lots of big cap raisings. So again, not that these guys and girls need the money. They're sitting on about 64 million at the moment. They're burning through about 16 million per year. 
So they've got, you know, four or five years under their belt. But having said that, having uh, the operational arm with that strong sort of life sciences background and having the governance arm with that equity markets background, it's a sort of a good pigeon pair, if I can put it that way. That viral ease product, uh, they're selling it through Lloyd's Pharmacies in the UK, I think it is. Yep, yep. And uh, it's doing really well at the moment. Uh, obviously, you know, the UK is backing off a little bit with their COVID concerns, but nevertheless, it's still uh, present. So it's certainly getting a lot of traction. So it's trading under consensus, albeit there's only two brokers who follow it, but uh, nevertheless, yep. 203 is consensus. It's about a dollar seventy odd at the moment. So yeah, it's a buy. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting you say that about I've got a daughter in the UK. All these self-testing kits that they get for free at, at, through pharmacies over there, we get none of this sort of stuff here no. uh, at all. And they're, they're sort of, she's testing herself every week, basically. Yeah, yeah and they have, uh, you know, have this, because uh, my brother and my family yeah. live there, so they have a lateral flow test, yeah. which is when he goes to visit my mum, which is in a nursing home, he has to have this lateral flow test before he actually sees her, which is like um, a, a breath test almost. It takes yeah. half an hour. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's not 95% reliable, but it gives you a pretty good idea. Yeah. And, but still, he has to wear the, the face mask and everything. Yeah. He has to sit in the car for half yeah. an hour. But before they had the free self-diagnosis ones, they actually were having to pay for their own tests. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we've been quite lucky here. It's, it's been pretty much... Um, yeah. My experience is when I've had yeah. a fair few tests living in the cluster. Um, <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> um, as you know, <laughs> you know they, they, the they're, they're, they're all free. You just wander in yeah. and, and away you go. So, um, you know, it's, it's different horses for courses. Yeah. But certainly the Star Farmer, you know, COVID's not going to go away. No. You know, we've, we've seen that just when you think it, it's going to go away. It's, it's, it's like whack-a-mole. Yeah. You know, you, you, you knock it out here and it pops up there and you knock it out there and yeah. it pops up. So, you know, we've seen that tragically with India. Yeah. Um, it's, we're going to be on guard the we're whole gonna, time. We're going to be living with this for until they come up with something that is guaranteed yeah. 100% and everybody's got it. And that is a long way away, yeah. unfortunately. We're just going to have to get used to it. And Andrew, Queensland um, in this COVID detection space is sort of leading Australia, almost leading the world. What's a list of one? Antiotech, is it? Um, Antiodiagnostics. Yeah, Antiodiagnostics have come out with a, a mass testing thing that you can put up and people walking through the airport can get it done. And then you've got, oh, what's the name? Starts with E. I keep thinking Ethereum, but that's the cryptocurrency, the one that's been sold into the United States. Of, uh, yeah, paying them another one. Three, 350 million to buy a factory over there because the Australian government won't back them here. So the US yeah, is no, we've, we've done, I mean, from an Australian point of view, I mean, I know this isn't a political show, but certainly the handling of the uh, pandemic and relating to sort of keeping people safe relative to other parts of the world, I think we've done a, a pretty good job. Yep, too right. All right, um, Michael Andrew wants a view on uh, Virgin Money UK. Um, full service UK uh, bank, Clydesdale Bank, Yorkshire Bank and uh, B Brands in the UK, um, mainly focused on consumers and small businesses, isn't it, rather than the big end of town? Koshi, this is probably my favourite one today. Ah, why? Probably my favourite one today. Why, why is it so? Egg in yes. a bottle. And it's not an ETF. Uh, there must be an Koshy. ETF over it somewhere. Oh, gents. There's gents. always an ETF somewhere, surely. Come on. You're killing me. You're killing me. 
Um, well, if you're going to play that game, BKNS. Uh, for oh, no, 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 we don't go. Oh, no. Stick to Virgin, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, why do I like it? I, well, sorry, I, I should say we, we like, as I spoke before about with IFRA, we do think that from a thematic point of view, Europe is certainly a place that is really going to benefit when they get their vaccine act together. And albeit, you know, COVID will be with us for a long time, but they're certainly in a more subdued state from an economic activity relative to the, you know, North America, as an example. So, and equity markets as a consequence are reflecting that. So we certainly think the UK, I mean, what's their vaccination rate over there now? They're nearly 70, yeah. 80%. Yeah, they're herd, herd, herd immunity level. Yeah, we can see the UK economy starting to pick up. So we've certainly been buying F100, which is that sort of FTSE 100 ETF. But by natural extension, if you're buying that, then you're also saying, well, we like the UK. And as a consequence, Virgin Money really fits into that. They've got 3 million customers. Um, got spun out of, just as some background, got spun out of NAB. This is the old Clydesdale Bank, yep. or part of it. Then did a merger with Virgin, I think, Henry. Um, so it's trading a little bit above consensus, but it's trading only on 10 times earnings. And yet you've got forecast EPS growth next year of around 32%. Uh, their net interest margins holding up pretty well, about 1.52. What did we say that ANZ was a bit early? I think it was about 1.56 for ANZ. That's the amount of profit margin that they're making, basically. So as a thematic uh, play on a recovery in the UK economy, uh, do like Virgin, it's a buy. Okay. Henry? Um, I tend to agree to some extent with Andrew. It, it was a dog for a long time. Mm. Um, this Horrible. Clydesdale Bank, as Andrew says, was spun out of uh, National Bank. It was the problem child. Um, they couldn't uh, they couldn't do much else with it. They got rid of it. They made a separate listing, um, and then they they bought Virgin Money and changed their name. But it's very much that was that was a big transition for them because Clydesdale Bank was kind of a daggy. Um, this is me showing the fact that I'm a Londoner. A daggy <laughs> North England. Uh, bank, consumer right. bank, you know, second tier, a bit like um, you would consider Bendigo and Adelaide or Bank of Queensland, a second tier yeah. uh, in, the, in the major banking sort of sector. Um, it's done pretty well. That, that rebranding has given it a much more consumer friendly feel. Uh, Virgin Money uh, has a far better appeal than Clydesdale Bank, which was, you know, yep. I think the name says it all. It's yep. an old, old plodder stodgy. with yep. furry feet. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there is some upside from the UK economy. It is emerging out of this, uh, the funk that it's been in, you know, it's coming out of the chrysalis and it, everyone's out there spending and, and doing whatever. And it will only increase, especially over the summer with summer holidays. So there is some good upside from the UK consumer. It's not expensive. And if you really do want exposure to the UK economy rebound, Right. then this is not a bad way to play it. Okay. So yes from you? Yep. Okay. Um, <coughs> do you prefer it over the big four banks? Well, it's different. Our big four? It's different. It's different. It's, yeah. it's different. Okay. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a currency issue. Yeah. Um, it's a bit more complicated, and it's obviously geared to a different market. Yep. So um, it fits differently. I would prefer it over Bendigo and Adelaide and Bank of Queensland. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, our final stock, Andrew, uh, Cameron wants a view on 40S memory. Now, they're making um, sort of the, the next generation um, storage chips, aren't they? Uh, here so, Koshi, do you, so, Koshi, do you remember how when we were talking ETFs, Henry just went, I'm going to Yoda. Yeah. Well, I am again. deferring 
I'm deferring to hang on, deferring to Yoda uh, <laughs> on the semiconductor uh, space. So over okay. to you, my friend Henry. I thought you were going to go all thunderstruck on me and go ACDC. <laughs> um, no, 4DS. Uh, yep. Interesting little company. Um, they are looking at re-RAM and non-volatile storage memory. Yep. $16.5, cents, 200 odd million dollar market cap. They have a collaboration with iMac, which is uh, one of the world's leaders in this space, uh, to develop this new chip. And there's, there's kind of... In the chip space in Australia, there's three or four that you look at. There's Axe, which is now um, a sort of quantum computing company. Uh, they jettison the mining side. There's Brainchip at 4DS. And what's the other one? What's the other one, Andrew? It's like the three main uh, weapons. Okay. It'll come to me. Uh, Weebit. Right. Weebit Nano. So out of these, 4DS is probably the smallest. There's still a long way from anything. Um, and they've had some interesting management moves as well recently, which, right. yeah, I, 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 it's interesting. And every now and then the space heats up and we see big moves from Axe or Webit or, or whatever because of some, some news in the chip space and 4DS gets dragged along. I think there's better pl ways to right. play, play okay. the chip space. I've, we're long uh, Webit, WBT right. is the one there. Uh, which is a bigger company. Still struggle to get my head around the valuation of Brainchip, which is in the billions, well, yep. it's uh, more than a billion, um, against these other ones. Um, so relative value, people go, well, that one's there, so these ones are here, so that one should be up here. And that's part of the attraction of, of 4DS, right. is that it's 200 million, Brainchip's 1.4 or whatever it is, billion. Yep. And right. okay. there's that so attraction. It's a relative thing, okay. um, as Einstein would say. All right. Uh, <laughs> I never it's thought I would <laughs> I would hear the word Einstein come out of Henry Jones' mouth. Uh, Andrew, uh, do you concur? Posh, it's been a long hour. It's been a really long <laughs> hour. Um, look, probably any other. And and the reason I deferred to Henry is um, certainly in his uh, in the Markets Today newsletter, he's absolutely nailed this space. Um, certainly my uh, rudimentary looking at it, they hold $5 million. They burnt through a million dollars in the last quarter. So same issue as one of the other companies we spoke about earlier. Um, on the positive side, they were recently added to that ASX All Tech Index. Oh, okay. And so <laughs> that's going to see a little bit of sort of... Uh, uh, institutional and index money buying coming into that. So that should okay. support it. But uh, as I said, I think Henry's covered okay. it off um, pretty well. All right. Let's uh, recap our final five stocks. Credit call for no from both um, Henry and Andrew. Bard One Life Sciences are no until they can um, work out their legal action between uh, current management and, and former founders. Uh, Star Farmer, yes from both. Virgin Money, a yes from both. And 40, uh, 40S uh, memory, a no, we bet, we bit is a better option. So out of that, uh, today, Reliance, Star Farmer and Virgin Money going to the calls portfolio. So good afternoon's work, Andrew Willock from DP Advisory. Thank you for joining us. Koshi, Henry, you, always a pleasure. Thank you. Henry Jennings Thanks, from Marcus today. Always a lot of fun having you two on. Thanks, Thank Koshi. you so much. Um, now, if you'd like any stocks for our expert panels to have a look at, um, email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at Osbiz TV handle. All the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 
And uh, don't forget, if you want to wrap up of everything that's happened in the day of business, markets, finance, uh, subscribe to the Ausbiz newsletter. It's with you about 5.30 every afternoon. That's Scuddy's view in there, a link to the Close of Business podcast, um, links to our most popular interviews and videos during the day on the platform. Subscribe at ausbiz.co forward slash the COB. And Startup Daily Show uh, from 2pm, looking at all things uh, private equity, startup, scale-up, venture capital. Today, the team are joined by Phil Ridley, the founder of Australia's latest space startup, Quasar. Um, That is coming up on the Startup Daily Show from 2pm. All right, a lot happening on AusBiz for the rest of the day. We'll be back after the break. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.